When this boy meets world. What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to the Brap Meets Book. When it's Brap Meets World. Your boy Meets World fancast. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony Curtis. So I want to see, this is episode 40. Ayo, we're this here. We're doing it. episode. And not only are we out here doing this, I actually wanted to take a moment. Dude, we've been doing this for over a year. Wow. Right? We've been we've been <laughs> analyzing Boy Meets World for over a year, guys. Yes. Actually I don't regret the second. No, no, I mean but I was looking it over and I was like, wow, it's been like a full year of us doing this. Uh and we're on episode forty, well, that's crazy. It's funny too because we like fooled around with podcasts. We this is probably like the fourth podcast we've actually landed on. <laughs> yeah. But like we were practicing podcast stuff for months before even Brummy Twirl got started. So it's just interesting to see that like, yeah, we've been doing this a long time. Oh, well, I think we, it's, it's nice. We've learned a lot. Obviously audio is still a question. <laughs> we've learned a lot about just podcast structure and just how to uh, make segments and things like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's just all a great learning experience. Just like Boy Meets World, y'all. Absolutes. Okay. So, um, how you been? Let's just check in for a second. I, um, and I'll, I'll bring this up a little bit later during my, uh, homework, but, um, I saw Halloween, the new one recently. Don't say that. I'm watching it tonight. I'm literally watching it tonight at 8 p.m. I don't want to say anything. That Shut up. I don't want trailer. anything. I don't want anything. I want nothing. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want the slightest hint of how you feel about it. <laughs> Move on. Can I, can I give you just a recap of the plot? No. If only if the plot is if the it's recap so of vague. the plot. It's so vague, but it's just a point that I want to think about something outside of Halloween. Okay. Which is, keep going. Keep going. And I'll tread lightly. I'll tread lightly because I do respect <laughs> not wanting to have an opinion. But the movie is about a woman who uh -huh. was attacked forty years ago, uh -huh. who has stayed silent, and has now finding the courage to to fight back confront her attacker yes who just happens to be an old white man Correct. so that aspect of it is uh -huh. so like like and that's kind of what i love about horror movies in general is that i feel that horror more than any other genre is a real um mirror to what society is going through at any particular time like when you think about like texas chainsaw massacre and the original halloween like these movies sprouted up right after like charles manson and like all of these crazy cult stuff that was happening in the 60s and you know we kind of see that happening over and over again with horror um you know saw and hostile um coming up during the iraq war and after 9 11 like it's all kind of mirrored stuff and we see that happening now with purge and a few other things but this is so of the moment and i think that's just kind of the biggest like wow like this this couldn't have been more uh, released at a better time and it just happens to be the 40th anniversary of the movie so just very cool stuff wow that's fantastic oh what the 40th anniversary on the 40th episode are we are we doing that it's funny that you say that because um i think i've mentioned this before but 
I heard the study that said the exact same thing as you were talking about, which is that certain themes in horror show up uh, under certain waves uh, in American pop culture. For example, zombies are always really popular during like a Republican um, a Republican uh, head because of the fact that you know. From the left side, everyone's just like zombies and they're just like following with the crowd and they're not really thinking of their own. And then whenever there's a liberal in charge, vampires get really big because of the fact that uh, everyone, all the kids are seen as lustful and just giving into their whims and no one's really uh, thinking about long term so like those ways that's an interesting theory yeah you can literally mirror it but the exact same thing is uh witches witches um become a really big deal whenever there's like a feminist movement and right now we have the whole movement and all this other stuff and sabrina the teenage witch is coming back charmed is back so yeah it's it's you're right then it all mirrors yeah, and um, when the women's movement happened in the seventies, we had like Suspiria. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never seen so that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's about witches in the ballet, and it is. I think they're doing a remake of, and it, it's just a wild, oh, crazy old movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, just horror movies. Just, I'm loving it. It's Halloween, I'm digging it. I'm digging this. You could literally tell me that you made a remake of any movie in the world, and I'd, I'd believe you. I wouldn't probably agree, but I'd believe you. <laughs> and it's just, and you know what's sad is that I feel like there's so many great original horror movies that have come out in the last like few years with like Babadook and It Follows and um, just a few of these other indie movies that I was just like, man, it sucks that we have to keep doing these reboots and reimaginings yeah. or whatever. Okay, uh, you know what's great about this conversation? What? What's great about this conversation is it's just two guys on the air talking about <laughs> their lives. And uh, that segues us into this episode, uh, which we don't have was... to do lunchtime lust to get people's attention. You know, <laughs> we don't have to do it. Maybe if we did lunchtime lust, uh, that we would get more attention. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe, perhaps. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So this episode, uh, what do you think about it? And do you want to get into the I think that this episode is just just my just saying a really broad statement of it. I think it's hilarious. I've always thought this episode was so funny. I don't think there's a lot of meat on the bones as far as like what our podcast typically does as far as yeah. analyzing how it ages compared to the time period in which it was released. But um, from a perspective of just a fan of the show and a fan of the actors of the show, they just give such hilarious performances. Um and it's just, it's just funny all around. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's let's get into it. Let's get into the tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> this is season two, episode seventeen on the air. Um, when Feeny and me starts the school radio show, Corey and Sean complain to Turner, who encourages them to be the change they want to hear on the radio. The boys begin their own show, adhering to the Feeny's guidelines but find an audience by hooking girls up with guys who call in. Feeney, of course, shuts down the show, but the boys won't be tamed. They hijack the radio show and are back on the air until they are caught by Feeney and Turner. When asked why the boys betrayed Turner's trust in order to make their own show, Corey explains that they were that having the show made them feel less lost. 
Unknowingly, Turner has broadcast their confession to the entire school, and the boys learn that just talking the truth is what helps them relate to others. In a B storyline, Eric tries to get rich quick. You know what's funny is that I think this is the first real episode where I was like, wow, they're making Eric dumber. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. This, like, it, this is the first episode where you see, you're like, oh, okay, so this is where they've decided that Eric... Amy literally calls Eric special. <laughs> yeah, she makes a Forrest Gump joke about Go ahead and scuff if you will. I got a good feel about this one. See, there's a little voice inside my head. You know what it's saying? Life is like a box of chocolates. Oh, no what? Never mind, sweetheart. You just go wait by that front door for ramen link. Um, and <laughs> she was like, it, it's so when she said that, I was like, wow. And and to be fair, his mama did say it. It was his mama. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and it's so interesting because it, it's like, I don't know that we've ever up until this episode have seen it's I, I'm trying to word this properly. Eric is dumb, and it seems like everyone on the show knows that he's dumb, yet we as an audience haven't seen anything that would make us go, he's he's Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's yeah. what was strange. I think for me, what the, the what's funny is at this point in time, it's just played off that Eric, or in the beginning, it was always played off that Eric was just boy or girl crazy. So it's like, yeah, he was like he is dumb but it's like that's because he's preoccupied with girls this is the first yeah. time we get like a really big step back and they're like no eric's just not that bright <laughs> in general yeah he's not bright and everyone seems to understand that he's not bright but again it's a very it's sitcom dumb it's yeah. joey Tribbiani dumb he's not like so dumb that he can't function but he's just dumb enough to not get the joke or to understand joey why Tribbiani dumb i love it so much that's it, so it is. accurate that is, i said that's the exact thing <laughs> sitcom dumb is like it's dumb enough to, for a joke to happen but you're not concerned for like why is this person allowed <laughs> to drive a car like it's not that, yeah like, thing, because usually we allow them to have to be sexual and you're right, if they were too dumb, we were like, well, this is just taking advantage of a person. You can't let them have sex. But uh, if they're like, I hate, enough, I hate to like... reference Tropic Thunder, but you can't go full. <laughs> you can't go full. See, my whole, yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then also, I hate that movie so much, but continue. <laughs> I, hate, I also hate that movie. I don't know why. I, I, I don't understand why everyone. I, I really hate it. I hate that movie, and I hate the fact that everyone uses that movie as, like, an excuse to be like, well, what about Robert Downey Jr.? I was like, that is a terrible thing. I don't know why he gets a pass. I don't find it that funny, but that's just me, so whatever. <laughs> you know what's it's so funny that you talk about him getting a pass for that, because I actually had the same question about the boys at, this end, at the end of this episode, because to me, they get off with bare minimum sentencing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> For something that I feel like if, if they got suspended or even expelled for what they did, I'd been like, all right, I guess I get it. I understand. <laughs> Truthfully, like. It's, no, no, no. I, like, I'm not disagreeing with you, but yeah, that makes sense. And so there was kind of a big question for me at the end of this episode was, you know, how much of this is white privilege that they're able to have these mistakes over and over <sighs> again, directly disobey a principle, you know 
form a rogue radio station and interrupt school for the day. Like, all of that is so over the top, yet their punishment seems minimal. Yeah, it's really funny that you mentioned specifically white privilege, because I I made a little note, uh, and let me see if I can find it, but it said something along the lines of, you never see, no one talks more about the Constitution than a white guy trying to justify why he wants to break the rules. <laughs> yeah, or why no. he needs to say something that's super yeah, offensive. Yeah. Exactly. No one knows the Constitution better than a white man who's just trying to, or sorry, they don't really know it because as proven with Sean uh, and Corey a little bit, they don't really know what the First Amendment's about, but they know that the First Amendment says something along the lines that they they have the freedom to do what they want to do, and they just keep spouting that. Well, I mean, Sean even says to, like, that Feeney... Uh, he, he went against the first commandment. Yeah, exactly. Like, he doesn't know the difference between the Bill of Rights and commandments. Exactly. And I, you know what's really sad? I guarantee you a lot of other people don't either. Yeah. If you did, like, one of those BuzzFeed quizzes on, like, is this a Ten Commandment or the Bill of Rights? I guarantee <laughs> you a lot of Americans would not be. <laughs> you would not See, be happy with it. Sean, he says one thing, it does another. He's being a hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah that was stupid but so funny that's okay. all this episode is is dumb jokes like that and i love exactly. it exactly we got the new roll call i was about to go roll call yeah let's yeah. do roll call roll call okay so roll call first of all we do get alvin meese a little bit um he's i have an issue with alvin tell me tell me what you feel about alvin so the last time we saw alvin he was running for class president against Correct. Corey and sean um Correct for eighth grade class president, which we're, we learned was next year. However, um, at the midpoint, at the end of the second act of this episode, they go up to Alvin and they're like, hey, you set up the radio center, right? And they're like, yeah. He's like, and Corey says, all right, well, let's go see how a junior does it. I'm sorry, I thought Alvin was in the seventh grade because he was running for class president next year. How is he a junior now? No, 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 no. He said, let's see how junior's doing. Meaning, like, let's, because he said, it's kind of like my baby. And he was like, all right, so let's see how Junior's doing. Uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> I, I misinterpreted that. Because for a second, I was like, there's no way they're making him a Junior now. Like, that, they can't do that. Um, all right. No, so no, no, no. That. Yeah, no, no. But, I mean, like, that makes sense. And I, uh, I like that you brought that out. Uh, so what I was going to say is we have Alvin Meese. And then the next in line, we have, for new, we have Sarah Farmer. Like Farber, Farber, something like that. Uh, of course, as usually, as usual, the new people that we get are girls who aren't really fleshed out. Because we have Sarah Farber and we have Jasmine Fontana. And that's Jasmine the Jasmine Fontana. Is that's not her name? That it, that it should be. Which I don't understand what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. I think it just means that, like, because she her name kind of sounds like Fon, like Fine, you know, like 90s Monica, like Fine. Okay. <laughs> that's that's how I interpreted it, anyways. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I, I do want to say one thing about the ginger chick. What's, what was her that, name? Her name is, um, that would be Sarah. Sarah Farmer. Okay, so Sarah, I believe, is the girl that I mixed up for the ginger in the last episode that we found out was uh, from Alex Mack, from the Dane's uh, episode. 
Okay, okay, I confuse okay. them because I do believe that this ginger is the one um, that is in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. And that's how I know her. Ah. I don't okay. know why Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show played such evidently a big part so, in my like, childhood. Here's the thing. This is you, so I'm very, if you notice, I never question you. I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's a very TC reference, and I'm not going <laughs> to... Her name is, uh, the actress's name is Hilary Tuck, by the way. Um, um, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, she's been in Grey's Anatomy in Plain Sight. Um, I do love yeah. a good Grey's Anatomy. I mean, but like Grey's Anatomy now is like uh, Law and Order SVU. It's like you were on an episode if you were acting at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also these shows I don't feel like are ever going to go away. Oh, no, absolutely not. I don't understand, and I'm not, I'm, like, I'm really, this is, like, of course, so random, but, like, I just don't understand how we have so many medical shows. Like, why are or we so always... Or cop shows. They're, like, Yeah, it just all... doesn't make sense. At least SVU has a thing, like, all right, I know that when I'm watching SVU, I'm going to see rape, I'm going to see kids, I'm going to see all <laughs> the nitty-gritty. Like, honestly, like, they make the best episodes because it's always the most extreme stuff. I found semen in this victim's <laughs> ear canal. Like, that's crazy shit. Like, that's what I want to see. But So, first of all, nice John Mulaney reference. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> and but, like, CSI think, yeah. and uh, all of those things, like, I don't see what's different between them, truthfully. That's, I mean, like, I, just, I don't either. So there's that. And then also I was going to say that um, I got in, I've gotten into a lot of food network shows. And like, as much as I'm Ooh. like, I don't understand what the difference is between all these cop shows, food network shows, they can have like my best guacamole and like each contestant comes and makes their own version of guacamole. And I will watch that for hours. <laughs> Did you say that you were on an episode of Chopped? I, I was never that? on an episode of... No, I've never been on an episode of Chopped. I said... What I said was, I was watching an episode of Chopped. Oh, okay. And this woman... Like... This woman was literally, like, she lost, and she was, like, really upset. She had already talked about, like, how big of a deal it was for her to be there. Uh, and she got eliminated. She's like, yeah, I'm sad and everything, but you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not just going to cry about it and, like, stay in this place. And I was like, okay... First of all, I've cried over way worse. I mean, way less. <laughs> you had like a lifelong dream destroyed and you're like, just fine. I'm going to move on. I was like, that's not me at all. And that was the whole purpose of that. It's so interesting, the chopped concept, because it's essentially just a game show. Like, it's no different than Jeopardy, except you just have to make something. And it seems like the stakes are so much higher. Um, yeah. <laughs> like these people, their whole lives depend on how well they do on chopped. Oh, almost all the time. They're just like, my father uh, is dying of cancer and we have to pay the bill. So this money is really going to help me pay. <laughs> pay to yeah, it's like either I win or you just <laughs> killed my dad, Food Network. And at the exact same time, Food Network is just like, you oversalted your tomatoes. And so for that, you got to go. And you're just like, oh. Yep. yep. I hope you like that salt because it just cost your dad his life. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to the episode. This is so crazy. <laughs> uh, so anything else about like Jasmine Fontana or anything? Because I like, look um, again. I, Jasmine I Fontana. Just... I just want to say I looked at her IMDb. One of her biggest film cre or uh, television credits, it seems, is for the unsolved: the murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. <gasps> She's in that. What does she do? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but she has a. She's in a few episodes of it. So, 
Oh, I'm interested. I'm yeah, definitely I'm not interested. Let's, let's see what she's up to. I think Jasmine um, Fontana killed Tupac. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. So um, she must she so, must have been friends with Diddy. My only thing is, as always, we just get we don't really get any fleshed out characters. And I mean, like this episode was like really short, so it didn't have to be. But like, if I had a complaint, it would be that. Well, also too that all the female characters are there for the sake of boys. Yeah, and that exactly. was, that was a note that I took too. Like that that there's a scene where um, they realize that like oh we're gonna turn this into a dating show, and then right. all these girls show up at the radio station and they're like, "Can we be on the radio too and talk to boys?" And I'm like, "Is this how realistic is this? How much of this is just the male like imagining of like oh uh, yeah?" Well, girl. considering the fact that Corey goes, "Hey, so a lot of these guys are like asking me how you." Uh, kiss and I don't think I can tell them without uh, you giving me a little example or something like that and her responding with I guess I can help you out I was like okay yeah she was that deep so ridiculous <laughs> no way in real life would that ever happen <laughs> that didn't seem like Corey at all by the way that seemed like a Sean thing to say yeah but Corey's around Sean and we've talked about this Corey when Corey feels secure or like when he feels it he can be kind of a mac daddy Corey, Corey can do it but that's what i mean like i guess i guess i just don't see why sean's so much cooler than Corey. i think it's just because con sorry con sean <laughs> accepts where he is like sean understands that he is good looking and he has the magic hair and girls like just throw themselves at him and this is like his thing Corey's always questioning everything about himself. So, yeah, and he always also, also, I believe that remember, Sean and Eric have the hair. Um, Corey, it's a hair thing, it's the hair thing. So, I think I really do think it's like the hair keeps Corey from believing that he's as equal or as worthy as Sean. Sure, sure. Okay, so uh, going back to the radio show, I did want to talk a little bit. Because... Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Can I just, I just do want to mention that there was one person left off of the roll call. Who? Who? Uh, Mr. Robin Leach. I thought it was really funny because I realized how dated the show was when Robin Leach showed up. Because I was like, <laughs> no one. And like younger millennials will even understand this reference whatsoever. I know. And that kind of made me sad. I was like, Robin Leach is such a, like a 90s staple. And it makes so much sense that he would be there. Um, and then I was like, kind of like, why is it Robin Leach and not Ed, Mc, Ed McMahon? But either way, it's just like, those were so dated references. So. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about Robin Leach when he appeared and it's just a quick note. We don't spend too much time on it, but he says that um, at the end of the episode, he shows up with this big check because of Eric's stupid magazine scheme. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'm, we're here for Dorothy, the, the neighbor who lives next yeah, door. Yeah, the neighbor. Yeah. This is, so we, this is the episode where we learn the Matthews' other neighbor. So the Feeney's on one side, and on the other side is this Dorothy person who we've never heard from. And apparently we, she uh, takes this money and runs because we never hear from her yeah. again. <laughs> uh, but I just thought that was interesting that we learned the name of uh, another neighbor. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, but also at the exact same time, I always wonder, like, what do they do? Uh, like, because those, those shows would always, like, just show up at someone's door. And you can't do that, like, 
how do you know people's gonna be home? Maybe there's like the behind the scenes things where it's like it all always seemed like they showed up randomly. But now that I live in LA, I know they probably showed up two days before and were like, hey, you won, we're gonna come here, act surprised. <laughs> or they like, yeah, they show up and then they're like, hey, we're gonna do a run through and now we're gonna do it again for 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 the show. Um, yeah, exactly. But you know what? I just don't think you could do that nowadays. Cause well, no I, one's gonna be home. <laughs> well, no one's gonna be home. But also, I don't know about you, but in the same way of like, I just don't have random people knocking on my door, and so I'm not used to strangers dropping by. So unless people tell me they're coming over, I'm probably not wearing pants. Like that's just—it's <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm definitely not wearing pants most of the time that I'm home. So uh, you're really right. And then also, I just think that now. Just people just don't answer the door if they don't expect people. You know, it's just like, who are you? Like, if it's important, you'll leave. Or if you're a friend of mine, you'll call. <laughs> it's like people who answer the phone for numbers they don't recognize. I'm like, what? What? So in what thing. world? I will say I do that, but the only, the absolute only reason that I answer an unknown number is because my mother always loses her phone and will call me from a stranger's phone. <laughs> So that is the only reason why I answer random phone numbers. Oh, I never, I figure that like, if it's a random number, they'll leave a message if it's important. If it's not, <laughs> it's probably a, a robot call anyway. <laughs> um, so you, let's talk about the radio show. And the reason why I want to talk about the radio show yeah, is sure. because Feeny, like it opens up with Feeny kind of like taking control over this. And I'm like, dude, you are the principal of a school. And you're a teacher. Get off the radio. You have How does he do. have time to even yeah. mess with this? Because it seems like he's like, oh, I'm here with my groovy co-host. So Jeannie's yeah. doing this every morning. Is that's this just morning announcements? Because that's what I was like, what's the difference between this and morning announcements? Well, just in general, it seemed like he was. Yeah, for some reason, I feel like a few years later it becomes the tv announcements you know it's like when everyone's doing yeah like the tv version of this because the idea that they have a radio show is just like who's doing this <laughs> like who's well, like, listening to this throughout the day and you know what's funny i know our high school then have this but i do know of other schools where like in between classes they'll like play a song a, a pop song or a radio what? song or whatever over the speakers while kids are going through their classes i've never heard about this yeah, yeah, a few, because obviously, you know, I know a few teachers and, like, they've worked in schools where they've had that, and even, like, my friends who have kids say that, like, oh, my kids say that they hear the song every day between their third and fourth period of class or whatever. Um, I have never heard of this in my entire life. That so, yeah, so that's because before I, like, I got introduced to that concept through this show thinking, oh, this is fantasy. And so when people told me, oh, no, this is actually something that happens, I was blown away. Because what is the distraction? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I wonder if it's it always has, like, loud any... enough. Yeah, well, I wonder if it has, like, any, like, if there's any reason for it. Like, do students tend to go to their locker sooner and, like, not loiter as much if there's music in between? I don't know, because, like, that's what Maybe it's a morale thing, but I do, I maybe it's just to make sure they get to their other class on time. Because think about it, if you have two minutes between classes and the song's ending, you know how long you have yeah. until you, you If Selena Gomez is ending her, 
Yeah, if you've heard the bridge of the Selena Gomez song, you've, you're too far. You yeah. need to <laughs> That's my whole point. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, and then, okay. So, but yeah, I just thought that was weird that feeding. And then also, it was like, what's with this programming? So we have like a German hour as well. Oh of my gosh. Feeding would do what's this. his name? Ludwig? Ludwig, you know what? To be fair, we did not give Ludwig his uh, we his did not in roll call. <laughs> but Ludwig is fantastic, and one of the great things I know about Ludwig, and I don't know how I found out about this, but Ludwig was a character that uh, writer strong character writer strong and Ben Savage thought was hilarious, and they what? couldn't stop laughing at this kid's accent. They just thought it was so damn funny, and I don't know if that is are... so American. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> the accent's so funny. It's like, I'm speaking German uh, and, and English, by the way, which means I'm multilingual and you're basic. <laughs> yeah, but I guess something about his line delivery, and I don't know if I saw this on the TV commentary <laughs> or whatever, but... um, uh, That's so funny. All right, that's good to know. I like it. Um, but yeah, I, the, this radio show that Feeney's doing is, uh, I don't understand it's why it's domestic time. It's the worst. No one's into it. No. And then it makes again, you wonder why they resurrected this radio program to begin exactly. with. Exactly. Again, it seems, to be fair, it seems like a, like a passion project of Feeney's, just like the, with the enthusiasm that he has. Yeah. And maybe this is just like, like he grew up only with radio. <laughs> so of course. Like, it's, to be fair, it radio's is Radio's a big deal Ooh. with him. Remember last year? Yeah, where he wanted season? to stay up and yes. watch the radio. So the that would be the war. Actually, I love that you just said that. Like, so Feeney does have like a passion, and that's probably why he gets so offended when it's misused. Hundred percent to him because oh wow, he, we just made this said, deeper. <laughs> yeah, because it was the episode where Alan keeps Corey up late to watch the baseball game, and he's talking about how his dad didn't let him stay up to hear Truman. Or whatever. Right. Um, but we're to interpret from that that Dini didn't grow up with the TV. He grew up with radio. And obviously exactly. radio played a big part in his life because that's a the pretty much the only backstory we've heard about him and his father. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, like you said, based on his enthusiasm, that this is something he, he's fucking hard as hell about. Yeah. That's actually oh well. I mean, Feeney's still being an old man in all his late programming. And I do look, I will say there's like a little bit of shade thrown because when he does try to connect with the youth, he's like, and here's Menudo. And you're like, and everyone just kind of rolls their eyes. and like, don't be hate on Menudo. <laughs> well, also, Menudo seems like a strange choice compared For to every. Yes. Like, hey, this playlist is going to have Perry Como and Menudo. What the hell? <laughs> He's all over the place. Now, what I will say is, talking about the boys' version of the show, it's just unappreciated okay. right now. Because Sean latches on so quickly, and Sean understands what they have here. And I kind of really like that. I like that when Sean sees an opportunity, he's like just such an entrepreneur, or has like well... that mindset. Let's not give him too much credit because if we rewind just a bit, Corey <laughs> had to tell Sean, like, because Sean yeah. didn't want to do anything. <laughs> and Corey's like, I mean, maybe if we became radio personalities, then we'd have personalities. I don't want to do nothing. Look, radio is just sitting around talking. Like we are now? Yeah, maybe you have to push a button. How hard? Like this. 
No, I'm not. Should I use that? What? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really funny because I love they show Turner's face in that uh, clip, and it's hilarious. Just that uh, you get to see Turner kind of being on our side of things, like watching yeah. these two interact. <laughs> and he's like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> oh man, I actually thought Turner was really great in this episode. Like, this is the kind of Jonathan Turner I wish we could see more. I don't really give a shit about him with female co-workers his stuff with Feeny is just kind of okay but when he's connecting with the boys in the way that Feeny cannot connect with the boys that's yes. where he really shines yeah and, and i thought i'm with you i yeah, really I just, really like uh i really like this version of turner although i will say i do not know what's up with these ties i kind of really want to find who's ever responsible for his wardrobe and like charging them with something because it's I, <laughs> I I mean, don't get me wrong. These ties are miserable. But I do <laughs> wonder if this is just like a fuck. Like, it's of the time. Like, maybe these are just the ties that cool people were wearing on their uh, motorcycles uh, in the 1990s. I watched nights. a lot of Seinfeld, uh, which is set in this time. I watched a lot of Friends. And you know who's never wearing ties and prints like this? Chandler, David Swanner, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chandler wore nothing but sweater vests, but still, point being, but yeah, Ross, Ross would wear just plain ties, yeah, exactly. Like, they had the same thing with, um, as I said, Jerry Seinfeld. They're, they're not wearing these. If you want to even go tend the tool man Taylor, he's wearing go wear like the plaid that Jonathan wears, but he won't match it with like this crazy ridiculous tie so i'm just really upset all right i'm gonna pull a 90s reference out from the back of my head just because i feel that it might play a part in this so in the 1995 96 movie uh first kid with simbad yes uh, yes simbad which by the way wears... <laughs> simbad wears uh he, he plays the a bodyguard to the president's son in the movie and they are consistently trying to get him to wear more official ties. And he's like, no, I have style. I have personality. I don't want to just wear a standard tie. I think that Jonathan Turner is that. He's like, I'm young. I'm hip. I don't want to be conformist. And it, I don't think it's a, a Woodstock hippie thing the way that Feeney made it seem. By the way, want to circle back to Woodstock. Oh, we're coming back to that joke. But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I feel like this is Turner's personality. Like, I'm not a, your regular teacher. And I think that even his stupid ties are just a personification of that. Okay, you know what? I will allow that. And you brought up um, you brought up Sinbad, which you and I have been meaning to talk about for weeks i have our notes that we have to talk about Sinbad, so we need to give Sinbad his due i don't want to like squeeze him in between this but at the exact same time let's talk about mr feeney and ruthie Turner. (laughs) yeah (laughs) because we just learned a lot it's so funny because feeney was like oh you know you and your hippie woodstock stuff but then feeney was apparently at actual woodstock apparently apparently (laughs) also how old was Feeney when Woodstock happened because no he idea. said that he heard Truman announce the end of the war. Like, <laughs> how old is he? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good question. I don't know. We should do the math and like, or someone out there do the math and see how old was Feeney when Woodstock happened. Either way, I love, I want like, I want a pre-series uh, it's set a, it's a, 
Oh, go ahead. That I'm sorry. In Young Life, where we see young George Sweeney, who's like this proper kid, um, just go out and meet the rest of the world in the 60s and 70s, which is like all crazy uh, sex and drugs and war, and see this Mr. Sorry, this George Sweeney grow up and become this. Uh, reserved man who has like a really worldly understanding of how you things are. Where the feeling begins. I do. Oh, I want it so much right now. And then we get that once we get that Woodstock episode, man, we gonna have some fun because I, I still see the. the... I was just gonna say I just did the math, and there's only about a 25 year difference. So maybe he was like five or six or something when he was a boy and he was like maybe around 30 or so for Woodstock, which isn't so unbelievable. No, and uh, that's what I was going to say. I can see like a George Treaty not even like purposely going to Woodstock. Like he was on his way somewhere and like he got like a ride and he ended up at Woodstock. He was like completely um, not into it. He's just like so judgmental but at the exact same time he runs into this girl called Ruthie Turner and she's just like trying to get him to enjoy himself and some stuff goes down you know what's funny <laughs> is that i i kind of disagree with that i feel like when beanie was married his, uh, uh, his former wife was a free spirit i get that vibe i get that ooh. vibe a lot of times throughout the series that when you when you when he goes there's one episode particular in particular coming up i think maybe next season um at a lodge that at a snow cabin that Feeney had up in the mountains where they find yeah, the old diamond. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but there's something about Feeney that makes me think that the reason he's so conservative has to do more with just him not having any like of that joy in his life that he used to have with what I imagine to be a very free spirited wife. Ah, still, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we've come up with several uh, ways to have prequels to this series, yeah. and I want them all. I really do. Uh, so maybe one day I'll write one. And <laughs> yeah, just like why, we've had right a now. sequel. We've had Girl Meets World. We've had Boy Meets World. Like we need Man Meets World, I guess. Exactly. Feeny Meets World. <laughs> Feeny Meets World. Yeah, because honestly, I feel like. Feeney would have more this prequel idea that we're for sure going to send to ABC. Uh, we exactly. have like a Wonder Years type of quality to it. Yes. <laughs> and we already oh, love wow. Mr. Feeney. We would all, again, we learn his lessons that he learns that he eventually tells the boys. It's all right there. Why are we not doing this? I want it now. <laughs> oh wow all right guys uh well this is being recorded they, people can't sell this we're, we're gonna roll with this we're gonna have to figure <laughs> out this elevator pitch and make this happen yeah all right so um going back to the episode i like i said i love sean's energy when he like sees what's going on because you know he basically understands that this dude called in to try to get with sarah and he's like dude are you gonna drop you know it's like just the whole energy that Sean has, and even Turner mentions it uh, a little later. He's like, they don't get involved or into much, and they were really into this. It's interesting, though, that, like, whatever Sean seems to get excited about is things that someone else has to shut down very quickly. And I wonder if it's because Sean hasn't found his own avenue yet, or is it that it's because it's off-limits that it gets Sean excited? Well, I don't think it's that. I think it's, if, if we're being honest, I think it's one of those things where it's like, uh, Sean understands his, like, he understands his peers. 
and he understands um kind of like this counterculture thing but most of this show is about how you have to not conform but like understanding how the world itself is right now you know the structures that we have in the work in the world as they are and i think that that's all where sean always comes into conflict because sean is kind of this free spirit who understands what his peers want and it's always outside of like what adults find they should be doing does that make sense yeah totally yeah so I think it's way more about that than it is about, you know, Sean getting off on it being forbidden. I don't think the forbidden thing has anything to do with it. I think it's just Sean uh, understands. Well, I don't know. I think I mean, like, things well, are... Know, the, the forbidden thing has a little to do with it, but it's just not the primary thing is what I'm saying. Siege, you're the one who told me when we started this conversation that white <laughs> men consistently want what they can't have. Uh, also very true, but also very true. So, I mean... I, 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 I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're right. I think that Sean seems to find his avenues, and it's just unfortunate that it happens to collide with what society wants for him, but I think he kind of gets off on that a little bit. Exactly. Well, I mean, but, like, also, like, like, I mean, think about it. Mr. Turner even kind of points out that the boys just... Like, he's like, they, of course, they didn't have adult supervision. So, like, what they did, of course, wasn't ideal. But I don't think they should have everything taken away from them. Um, and with the proper guidance. Any, yeah, it didn't seem like they had any rundown. It seems like they just, like, showed up and were like, all right, we're doing this. They told us we can only talk about the bake sale. But they didn't seem to give them any other parameters as far as... Well, exactly. It is funny to see them have to fight for, like, their right to speak up and all this other stuff uh, and the conflict with the radio show when I realized that we're doing our own podcast. And I was like, yeah, now they could just do a podcast. They could just yeah. they could set up their own podcast or their own YouTube series, and it would be just as much of a hit, and the school wouldn't be able to say anything. And... Can you imagine if we were in high school and had a podcast? asked about all the drama that was happening in high school and like actually uh, yes like, i can't oh, imagine because that's a, that's a movie <laughs> and by the way that's literally the plot of gossip girl so is it okay i don't it's i don't literally I don't it, so. uh you should gossip girl is amazing so just put that out there so uh, okay <laughs> oh also for me i think like even listen to it i was like they didn't really do much uh that was wrong i think where the boys really messed up was when they said like the bathing suit thing i was like okay that is overboard and that's the part where feeny came in on you know what i mean like trying to hook people up it's like it's not that terrible but i don't think it would have been as bad if they weren't like she likes to go fishing in like nothing but a bikini and then feeny's like yeah this is basically smut so um i had a quick note here about just like for whatever reason i don't know how much the budget was on this show but obviously they're not spending a nickel of it on copyrighted music because whenever <laughs> there's like music that needs to be played it's such <laughs> generic rock yeah. and roll or generic like video game elevator pop music or whatever like it's just it's so awful like not not i mean from a i don't want to knock yeah, right I get for the show yeah. but i'm just saying like they can't spend a nickel on a damn whatever pop song that's on the radio. It just seems like, to me, there's so much pop music in television nowadays that it's almost inescapable. Like, I'm gonna hear some shitty pop song on the Grey's Anatomy episode or whatever. Correct. Whereas then, it, it just seemed like it wasn't even a consideration. Well, so I just thought that was a 
the music industry uh, was completely different. And now they need to like, in order, because no one listens to the radio anymore, ironically. So because no one listens to the radio, yeah, yeah, they you're right. put all the music into these shows that everyone's watching because that's how you discover new music. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, that totally makes sense. All right, no, never mind. You just answered my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, this Bill of Rights thing and who decides who has good taste. Well, that and that, I wrote that as a note too, just about their messaging regarding freedom of speech. Um, I don't, I don't really know. It's it's freedom of speech with responsibility is the theme of the yes. show. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, that's what the theme of this episode is supposed to be. And that's one thing that, like, again, Boy Meets World does really well. They bring up a really good subject, but they don't really go into it the way that they should if you want people to walk away with the understanding that you assume they want. Uh, which is to say that in this episode, they bring up the fact that the boys are always talking about the First Amendment and their freedom to say whatever they want. And, you know... Turner's like, no, you don't just get to say whatever you want. First of all, this is school property. Second of all, there are people to answer to. And third of all, you know, it's just like a th- there's responsibility that comes with this platform. And maybe I think that's a good lesson correctly. I mean, I think that's a good lesson for for children to learn that freedom. Like, because I would imagine as a 13 year old, like freedom of speech to me means I can just say whatever I want. I can call anyone any, any name I want. Like, it's it, learning that they're there's responsibility and consequences I feel is a good lesson that kids should learn. No, and I no, think they do is. a good job of at least portraying that. Yeah. See, and I disagree. I disagree with the fact that I think they do a good job. I think that the lesson itself is there, but the lesson itself is there for adults who knows what they're trying to say. If you're a kid, that's not, it's not blatant. It's definitely, it's like, it's convoluted. There's, there's no real connection to the fact that the boys uh, it's it's way more of the boys violated Turner's agreement than it is the boys understanding that there are consequences to uh, having freedom of speech. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that bothered me. It's like you you brought it up, but you don't really tell that. It's not in the text because I'm an adult. I see where you were going with it, but it's not really there. So I wonder how much of this is just also the the issue of time constraint of like it's 22 minutes or whatever the episode is like I I'm sure that I don't know maybe I'm giving them a little too much credit (laughs) but maybe it is this issue of of them no you know what I take it back immediately because they waste so much of the episode on this stupid Eric storyline that has nothing to do with anything why have a B story if it doesn't support the other stories? Just get rid of exactly. it. We can have just a, a solo story episode. In fact, those tend to be the better Boy Meets World episodes when the show doesn't get so unfocused and all over the place. I'm glad I'm glad that you uh, you made that 360 because what I was going to say is we see them do it. We see them do it all the time. Um, not all the time, but like when they do it, we always notice it and we always applaud those episodes. Because those episodes where they don't waste a single second and everything is just, you're like, wow, this was like really tight and it got me exactly what I wanted to get. And the lesson's really clear and all everything, everyone's use of time is purposeful. That is great. Uh, And this was not one of those episodes and it could have been, in my opinion. 
You know what? I will say probably the biggest takeaway and the most lasting thing of the show is unfortunately Eric's B storyline. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that has any continuality outside of this episode is him being Correct. dumb. There's, we never see this radio show again. We, nope. you know, I don't even know if we hear from this German kid or even Alvin again. Like, loser. Ludwig, like we never hear from Ludwig again. Um, so yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that the most impactful thing about this episode just happened to be the weakest part of it. Yeah, I mean, well, I will say that, and you're right. I think that the tail end when they're talking to the boys are when Turner has like unknowingly put the boys on air and they're talking about the fact that they feel the need that they feel lost and they feel the need to find themselves and all this other stuff. And, you know, the whole school responds to it. That's a good lesson. And that's something that they do really well. But again, that's different from the First Amendment conversation. So you get this two very disjointed things, which is that, A, you don't need to have, you don't need to like sell sex in order to get an audience is one thing. But at the, another conversation is First Amendment rights and the power that comes with a platform. Yeah, I, I can see why the, the like the, the focus on both of those was a little too much. Um, I, all right. So we, we talked about this kind of learning point of the show where Jonathan is talking to the boys at the radio station. He's like, why do you guys feel the need to do this? And they're like, cause we want to be special. And Jonathan turns on the radio without the boys knowing. Yeah. So we learned about freedom of speech, but we really didn't learn about <laughs> privacy. Yeah, again, again, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like, a, there are just moments where this isn't, they're not well, Turner, telling, teaching the lessons that they need to be. Turner's a hypochondriac because he's <laughs> talking about how important free speech is, but he also is not respecting these boys' privacy at all, has a super um, deep, uh, revealing conversation with these boys talking about their insecurities and he's broadcasting it to the entire school without their knowledge and they kind of gloss over it like he, yeah. Sean's like the whole school heard this and he turns like it doesn't matter people like it but yeah no it kind of does matter that could have been a very scarring thing like he had no idea what Corey and Sean were going to say I completely agree with that and, and that could have been yeah. just as dangerous yeah, no, no, and I agree with that. I was like, that could have been anything. They could have used uh, foul language. They could have sent, you know, they could have confessed uh, something really, really personal. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I might disagree with you on that because it is kind of messed up, and it is. Oh, it was a very risky move. And of course, because it's television, we're supposed to forgive it and just kind of move forward. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to say about this? Episode? Yeah, I, I do have uh, one thing. Um, one, there's a moment that I find really hilarious, um, and it's when Feeny actually finds the boys from their pirate radio station. Oh, okay. And Sean <laughs> has this great line where he's like, "Don't feel. Maybe she doesn't see us." And since yeah. I was a kid, I remember cracking up anytime I saw this episode when Sean said that. I just thought it was such a dumb, funny thing to say. Um, but here's something else about this whole chase scene where Feeney's looking for them. Do the boys have a camera? Yes, yes. Because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> because at one point, 
they're like, oh, we might be in the bathroom. And then Feeney goes to look in the bathroom. And the moment he looks in the bathroom, they're like, psych. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Wait, are you it's, watching him? How do you know this? It's supposed to be one of those things where it's just like, it's all knowing, uh, but not really. They're just speaking. But it is, for me, the thing that's funny about that scene, because I did have the same thought. But the thing that's funny about that scene is when uh, Sean accidentally reveals where they are. So where's the scene? Don't kind of fuck us janitor's moms. Don't. <laughs> or is that a fake clue? Because we couldn't possibly be that stupid. Oh, I think you're much more stupid than you give yourselves credit for. Yeah, it's, it, it's someone is, it's so funny because I'm not really, sh they're still in this weird part of the show where Sean and Eric are both dumb. And I think yeah. that's something we'll see for, like, the next season or so. And then Sean starts to get... Once Angela gets in the picture, he starts to get so brooding. And so, like, yeah. his stuff with his parents starts to go down. And he just turns into a completely different... Worst well, to character. be fair, uh, when your life starts to spiral the way his does, yeah, you start getting a little bit broody and a little less... For sure, for sure. <laughs> that's, and that's a fair point. Um but yeah, it's just an exchange of attributes between Sean and Eric. Yeah. We're, we're we're in the beginning phases of it. Okay, so um, Feeny taught me. What do you got? Feeny taught me. I think is this lesson that Turner tries to teach them that he broadcasts to the entire school without their <laughs> consent, um, which is that you know just being genuine is the greatest way to make a human connection. And I do think that that's something that we're seeing. In politics we're seeing it with our entertainers we're seeing it um i think across the board is that people want a more authentic experience with people not so much something that's flashy or something that's a good story they'd rather have something that's just true um and i think there's a lot of um truth in that because sean goes i think it's sean records for like, yeah but nobody wants to talk about that and he's like well contrary i mean like look at the phones everyone kind of feels that way and yeah. We're, we're, we're starting to relearn that lesson of people just really want someone to be real with them. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people who voted for number 45 who were like, but he was just so authentic. And it's just like, okay, but I mean, that's what they were looking for. And so that is something to just take into account. And I... Yeah, I, know. I know, I know, I know. We're not going down that road. I'm just letting you right, know. All right, all right, all right. Okay. So, that being said, uh, what grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode a B. I, I think it's an enjoyable episode. I don't think it's particularly uh, important in the show for any of the characters other than Eric that we mentioned. Um, but I, I... You know what? B+. Plus. B plus. It's a funny episode. I do think that the lesson is a lesson that's actually worth teaching. Whereas a lot of the episodes we've taught, we've gone over recently, have been like, "What? What lesson are they trying to give out? That doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be something yeah. that's taught to kids." Um, so yeah, B plus. All right. So I'm gonna give it a full letter grade lower than you, uh, which is a C plus. Not, and it's literally just because of everything we talked about. I feel like the lessons are all over the place. I feel like it's funny but we have a lot of stuff with eric that's unnecessary um and i just don't think like everyone's used the way that they could be also we get no topanga we don't really get like a turned on by turner moment 
So, oh, you like, didn't get yeah. to know by Turner this episode. I didn't get. I mean, just, uh, well, so I guess now we're doing it. <laughs> like, no, I mean I it's, it's it's don't force it. No, if it didn't happen, I don't know. You're right. It's not the force. Let it, I'm just it saying. for Turner. No, honestly, it was just, I will say that he wore those blue jeans nicely, but I hated everything else with it, so it didn't turn me on. Just saying. Okay. Um, So, that is it. Homework, what do you got? I'm going to make my homework for this week a movie called uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It's on Amazon Prime. This is another horror movie. I know I recommended one last week as well, but um, this is such an amazing deconstruction of the horror genre, and I haven't seen one do it this well since maybe Scream, because it truly what it is is just like it's a it's one of the like an office um, Parks and Rec like documentary style maybe more Blair Witch I guess would be the vibe they're going for um, of a serial killer preparing for um, <laughs> a, a kill. So it's it's if you can imagine Jason Voorhees like beforehand being like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna do a little bit of cardio to get warmed up because this is how I get ready to to do things. And uh, they're gonna go into the shed. But I'm gonna try to sabotage some of these weapons so when they come after me, I'm prepared. Like it's just so creative and interesting. And I just was really blown away by the lead actor's performance. And if it just really, if you like Scream and you like the deconstruction of the horror genre, like this is a great movie. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Rise of Leslie Vernon, Behind the Mask. I think it's 2006 is the year. Um, but yeah, really great. Robert England's in it as well. So if you'd okay, like cool. uh, for some good old Freddy vibes, he plays the Dr. Loomis character, the the one who's trying to does. catch the serial killer. Um, but yeah, it's a great movie. So if you're, if you're interested, check it out. Okay, wow. Um, that's really great. So the thing that I would recommend this week is... Um, this YouTube series called After Hours by Kraft. Um, it's, it's just always good. They talk about a lot of pop culture the way we do, and they just kind of analyze things. There's the one who told me about that whole horror reflecting the common fears of the time and the oh, yeah, yeah. Um, vampires and the zombie thing. So uh, it's a series that they don't do anymore, unfortunately, but there are plenty of episodes um, from there. So again, that's Kraft. After Hours, uh, it's really, really good. It's one of my favorite ones, and I just thought it would be fun. And then my other homework is, as always, register. make sure you're registered to vote and that you are prepared to vote because, yeah, we need to do all of those things. <laughs> yeah, we're getting close, guys. We're getting real yeah, close. It's, it's a, uh, yeah. Okay. And it's so, it could go either way, guys. Don't let anyone fool you. It can go either it's... way. And that is like, I think that's one of the most depressing truths. Because <laughs> it's just like, even with everything that's happened, it can always still go either way. So, <laughs> just get out there, guys. So, thank you for listening to Warren Beast World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all the places. Make sure you leave us a rating or that you reply to us. We love when you give us feedback on social media. Uh, and to do that at Brown Meets World or email us at BrownMeetsWorld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, Tone of You can find me at a Braver Me on Instagram. You can also find me at the Pumpkin Patch waiting for that great pumpkin, yo. Oh, yeah. He's coming. He's coming. Actually, uh, I didn't do this year because this year I did the screen banner. But I usually do the great pumpkin Charlie Brown banner on my Facebook page because I just love that. Like I just love the little boy believing in the great pumpkin. 
Can we also have a horror movie version of the Great Pumpkin? Like, can we have this? Yeah, of... let's do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, guys, you we're. Know I don't know what's going on. You and I are like, uh, we should be in pitch meetings. Our creative is <laughs> sprouting all kinds of juices, guys. I hope we're not spraying it in the face because this is intense. Uh, but you know what? I do want you guys to do. I want you to remember to dream, mm. try, mm. and do some good. Just do mm -hmm. good. <laughs> Later, bros. Later, bros.